he sucks and he'll always suck. So you're just nodding. Is that me? Oh, I thought it said it was recording. Oh, I see it. A little bitty tiny out of the top. <laughs> we, every single time we've tried to launch a podcast for the last eight weeks, which has been all of like three podcasts for the last eight weeks, Zach will tell me right before we start recording, when I start reporting, either I'm going to nod or I'm going to put it in chat, something to where he tells me right before he starts recording and I go, <laughs> okay, cool. I'll watch for it. And then I just sit there and I watch as Zach is looking at me on camera, nodding and making like <laughs> movements, like dumbass start speaking. With that said, this is Mr. Lebowski, football and other F words. It's always a pleasure to be able to speak with you all. And uh, we are finally recording another podcast. We have Mike Herndon with us what again with a Mike Miracles. Special treat it right? is. Right? I prefer to be referred to now as Papa Grande. <laughs> he is he is large papa. He is in possession of a child. Uh, they have allowed this <laughs> that, to have a child, and he that is, is the worst one. way to phrase that. The Congra- absolute worst. Congratulations, Michael, on becoming a father. Thank you. I obtained the child. He's now under my custody. You must not listen to the last podcast where I said you smuggled the baby across state lines. I did that as well. That is also what happened. Factually Which is worse, correct. The baby sm- smuggler or possession of a child. <laughs> possession of a child <laughs> implies some sort of a in like malintent i feel like so that's kind of okay. smuggling versus <laughs> possession well, of maybe a child you're smuggling the baby to have a, a better life obviously yeah you could be smuggling the, the child to a, a, the child. a better situation it implies you stole the child possession I mean, so does being in possession of the child possession, possession is three-fifths of the law or something possession like to me sounds like i set out to do this with good intent right <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that. Smuggling is like, I, we're, we're sneaking this bad boy in. Anyways, <laughs> way off topic. Congratulations on being, uh, this is an often an awful start. Uh, Zach is also here with us. Zach, producer, well, co-host. The podcast, not my fatherhood. Fatherhood's going great. <laughs> Look, we'll have to take his word for it. Zach, welcome. Oh, thank you. I, I'm here. <laughs> we, obviously, you know. Zach since smuggled the, Huxley across uh, state lines as well. I did. I actually had did to fly you? him on a cargo plane. <laughs> Did he come from Tennessee? Okay. No, he came God, from Missouri. In heaven. I'm talking about Huxley right now. <laughs> Did Huxley come from Tennessee? Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. So he, no, we, he literally flew in a cargo plane to us. Oh. Yeah. So he he was technically smuggled. The Flomey state. That, is, that actually, yeah. yeah, he was smuggled. Yeah. Um. So obviously nothing has changed in the world. There's certainly not a pandemic or anything going on. And there's full sports. Same, we have so much football to talk about. Yeah, kind of uh, boring. <laughs> We're going to get into Derrick Henry a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Titans, Amy Adams Strunk, and uh, Ryan Tannehill, and kind of the team's outgoing response to the uh, uh, Black Lives Matters movement and the protests that have been going on. Uh, and we're going to devolve a little bit into kind of the generalized madness that is going on in the sports world right now with everything coronavirus related and the fact that we can't watch live sports. So. If you boys are ready, we're going to get right into it. You technically can. There is Korean baseball. There is UFC, boxing, golf, WWE. (laughs) I mean, a lot of sports. Okay, let's stop. NASCAR. 
let's stop. Let's let's start right there with Do the last one. Do not get me started on pro wrestling. Is pro wrestling is not a sport? It's sports it's an entertainment. It's it's an act. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's literally sport, in the it's name. An athletic, it's an athletic event. It's not. Well, a it's an athletic sport. event. You really it's not a sport. you nailed it. You nailed it's it. It's not a sport. It's sports it is, or an athletic event. Is the is outcome like, is the outcome predetermined? A little bit. It's, it's, it's a yes or no very, question. Very it's physical yes no version but of like theater. There's like a whole decade of the NBA that was predetermined by okay. that, that shitty ass ref, whatever his name was. And then you have Pete Rose, who was a gambler, and he fixed games and all that shit. I mean, boxing's a little fixed. UFC's a little fixed. We're all a little dirty. Okay, we're all a little hey, dirty. Wow, Speak for yourself. Such, Speak for yourself over there, dirty boy. A, that is such a generalized <laughs> statement. It's not a sport. It's predetermined. I like. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's predetermined. Well, isn't when the Patriots face like the Bengals? It's predetermined the Patriots are going to win, right? Okay, but they still have to go out and play. If Tom Brady explodes on the field and half the offensive line is taken out with him, there's still a chance the other team can win. Hey, ask the Dolphins if it's predetermined that the Patriots will always win. We're way off topic here. Why can't I just start a podcast without you ruining it with possession of children and WWE is a sport? All right. Let's start with Derrick Henry. We got what? A little over a month for them to reach a long-term deal or the tag is going to stick. Is that correct? That is correct. July 15th. So I had heard earlier on the radio today, our lovely friends over at Midday 180. Uh, and you had forgive me. I didn't get to hear all of it, but either uh, Hutton or PK was bringing up that you know, potentially maybe there's some negotiations. And again, this is not being reported. It was just an, an idea that one of them had floated that, okay, maybe maybe there's a way that if, you know, Derrick Henry's agent, Jimmy Sexton, which I believe it is, is you know, could come to the team and, and theoretically say something along the lines of, if you're going to tag him this year and you're going to tag him next year, couldn't we structure a deal that's similar to having – a two-year deal with a lot of money up front. Is that something that's doable? Is that theoretically possible? I mean, it's possible. Is it probable? I don't think so. I I think that it's more likely that Jimmy Sexton's looking to get Derek maybe this year guaranteed, which is $10 million, and even more guaranteed money over a two- or three-year extension kind of deal. If I, if I was an agent, that's what I would be lobby, lobbying for, a little bit more security. Uh, he is a running back, so putting guaranteed money is a little tough. But, I mean, if you did a two-year – if you did a two-year extension, you could still get pretty much the same money – guaranteed probably more than if you just went that route and did it it took redid the tag and did a two-year deal yeah i think i think it is somewhat realistic to take that approach because ultimately that's what the titans could do i mean if, if there's nothing stopping them from letting him play on the tag this year and then tagging him again next year besides the worry that they might upset him and make him hold out or whatever which obviously he's not going to hold out this year he's already signed the tag he's he's playing on the tag if if a deal doesn't get done in the next 30 days so really the titans have uh you know the leverage here at this point um at least over the next month uh if he plays out the tag and has another big year then maybe that changes next offseason but Right now, I think the Titans have the leverage. And honestly, if you if you look at the numbers, it would be like a two-year, $22 million guaranteed starting point. 
um, is basically what you would get if you combine the two franchise tags. So you get the $10 million tag this year, it would jump up to about a $12 million tag next year. Um, so that's kind of what you're looking at. So if I, if I'm the Titans and I wanted to say maybe, all right, let's talk about a three year, $35 million deal with 22 million of that guaranteed. Basically you're getting your money from the two franchise tags, but we're also going to throw in a little bit, you know, of extra money that you can reach with certain incentives. You know, I think that would be an attractive deal that still keeps you well below the Christian McCaffrey type number, which I think is way too high for him. Um, given, I mean, Henry's a very talented runner, but we can't ignore the fact that he just doesn't do much for you on third downs, the most important down on the field. Um, so I think there, there's a value thing with him and McCaffrey. I, I would not be okay with paying him more than McCaffrey. I think he needs to be in that 12-ish, 12 to 13 million a year uh, range. I think I'd be comfortable there for them. So I, I don't know. I think that's kind of where maybe they – end up or where they're hoping to end up. But I am encouraged that they're still having conversations. I, you know, they said they talked each of the last two weeks, um, which I think is, is a good sign that they're legitimately working towards um, a potential deal. I, the deal's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I really do feel that there's going to be some kind of deal in place by July 15th. It's John Robinson's history has proven that there's going to be a deal the way they've talked about Derrick Henry really dating back to the combine I mean glowing like it was like it would be they were talking about their daughter getting they were a father and their daughter was getting married like I mean it was just glowing how much they love Derrick Henry compared to what they were talking about with Ryan Tannehill and we've been saying it all along that Derrick Henry has become something in that locker room, but he's also become a leader. So it's not only what he is on the field, it's what he is in that locker room, what he does training wise. He's just a, he's, he's a John Robinson, Mike Vrabel guy. And I'd be, I'd be 100%. Okay. I'd be 78.97% shocked if he does not have a deal. There's a little bit, I would have been a hundred percent a little bit after the combine, but he is a running back. And I think that we see that running backs who uh, try to get more than what they're worth usually typically fail. And But I will say this, he's been quiet about it. And I think that is a very – he signed his tag. He hasn't bucked up about anything. He's been very quiet about it where you – as you have like guys like Dalvin Cook talking and stuff like that, I think a deal's being being done. I think it's so close and they're probably waiting till July 15th to, to almost do it because they know my birthday's the next day. And I think they really are That's it's exactly on their radar. Around. It's on their radar. That it's whole thing is set around your birthday. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on their radar. John Robinson just, well, we'd love to get it done today, Derek, but Zach's birthday, we, we didn't get him anything else. So we feel weird about it. We, we really need to get him this contract for you. You're going to get the money, but Zach, Zach they were going to get me a cruise, but you know, Corona. So here <laughs> I am. They, they, this is the second best thing. The tracking number for Jadavian Clowney's being investigated. That package is lost. <laughs> we don't know what the, the delivery can't be attempted. No. It, it, yeah. Oh. It's definitely Let me call it right now. <laughs> Jadavian Clowney, Jadavian Clowney, and Derrick Henry 
deals announced on the same day with the Titans. Oh, that's spicy. You like it? That is spicy. Like Very. Do you want to double down and give us the actual date? Yeah, July 15th. I just told you. It's, it's going to be on birthday. July 15th. It is. It's going to be right up into the deadline on my birthday. Mike, do you want and to put a on that? J-Rob's going to look at me. He's going to wink and he goes, happy birthday. <laughs> I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet that that doesn't happen. Uh, shocking. Shocking. But I do not think that that actually ends up happening. But I, I do think Zach's point about Henry and Robinson and Robinson's time frame matters because Robinson's done training camp opening deals basically every year for the past three or four years now. Um, Casey was one, Lawan was one, Delaney Walker was one, Kevin Byard was one. Um, they all have gotten those deals right as training camp was opening. And I think there is a reason for that. I think it's uh, meant to be a kind of example setting for the start of training camp. You know, you've got a new team coming in. This is when you're starting to, to build and gel a new team together. And what better way to start and kick that off by saying, here's an example of a guy in Derrick Henry who's done all the right things. He's taken care of the team. He's worked hard. He's become a leader. And now we're taking care of him and giving him his, his big contract, his big payday. And you do that right in front of the team, right as they're getting ready. And it gives the guys a chance to celebrate with their teammate and kind of, you know, I think there's a lot of good, you know, there's there's a lot of good team building aspects to timing that when he typically does. I, I don't think it's an accident that those deals always seem to happen right as training camp is is starting. Um, so I think Henry and I think um, I mentioned this on the the other deal. Uh, I think one of Janu or Jayon Brown also get uh, an extension right as camp opens. I think it's two out of those three. So you you believe that there were that Henry's got enough positive messaging reinforcement coming from behind the scenes that is keeping him quiet, like you were saying, Zach. That it's it's he doesn't have a reason to speak out because he believes it's going to happen. I, I think they that at least that shows that the talks between them, both both sides, are positive and progressing at least to a point where he doesn't feel that he has to go out on social media. Cause we know he's a little active on social media because someone showed a, um, some kind of uh, signature or autograph and he's like, yo bro, I didn't sign that or whatever. He <laughs> I said. did see that. So, I mean, just brutalize the man's yeah. feelings. So he's, he's on, he's on social media. So yeah. we, we know that he posts stuff here and there and I feel like, and maybe it's just not, hey, and it, and it could just be that it's not in his character to be that way. But I think that's also one of the reasons why that we get a deal done because he is a kind of a, a good character kind of guy. But I think it does show a sign that, hey, I signed the tag. There's a reason I went ahead and signed the tag so early. And, I, you know, I'm going to report to camp. I don't plan to hold out. I think, I think there's something behind the scenes that that is a positive sign that we have not heard from him. Or his agent. We haven't heard from his agent about this deal either. And you typically, your agents are putting crap out there to try to get deals moving along. So, to me, it's it's progressing the way that both sides are looking and wanting it to be. And, and this came up when the Tannehill situation was kind of lingering out there. But John Robinson and Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill are all represented by CAA. Different agents. Um, Tannehill and, and Robinson actually have the same agent which is an interesting situation, but, um, it, you know, Henry also is, is represented by CAA. So, um, 
you kind of got a little bit of additional trust there, I think. Um, just, you know, they're all kind of on the same team from a representation standpoint. And that, at the end of the day, that's not going to change everything, but I do think it's a little bit of a, an extra reason to believe the guy when he, he's saying what he's saying. Like, if he's telling a guy – uh, that's represented by his agency that he's going to take care of them in bad faith. I think that looks bad on the agency and him uh, to a larger degree than it would maybe if it was, you know, separate groups uh, involved in the negotiation. So um, I, I do think that's a, a little bit more reason to believe something's probably going to get done. And so it will be a reasonable deal and a reasonable, uh, everything i mean because that's what j rob does he doesn't have bad contracts he just gets rid of them i love how you're just so confident with all this especially the the 15th and it's going to be on the same day <clears throat> wouldn't the titans want to want to you know announce one large thing at a time wouldn't it make sense to announce the good one news. day and henry on the on, on the other well, they are. I mean, Clowney and Henry are one day. My birthday's the next. They are keeping them two days apart. <laughs> that is that's so that's incredibly selfish. That's what that is. Well, I think they're they're being very generous. <clears throat> so you think for your birthday you're gonna come into possession of good Titans news. Yeah. Day before my birthday, good Titans news abounds. <laughs> Appreciate the optimism. <laughs> You know yeah. that it, let me say this, you know that if it gets announced on July 15th, you guys will never hear the end of it. Oh, yeah, 100%. No. Yeah. So, well, so write your senator to, get, to make sure that Derek Henry's deal gets announced before July 15th. You want to talk about a lapse in recording? This podcast will go dark for six months. Yeah, we're, we'll fold the podcast. I have my <laughs> own recording equipment, and I will keep us afloat. <laughs> it's going to be Z and other Zach words. Putting out podcasts like you brag about it. Terrible. <laughs> we just abandoned ship with them. Um, so, I just get some Korean sex dolls made in your guys' images and just put them up here. Oh dear. <laughs> you you oh were dear. last week when we got to discuss that, Mike. That the Korean. I don't have the story in front of me again, but a Korean soccer league stuck Recognize. a bunch of <laughs> stuck a bunch of sex dolls into the uh, stands, and they were and recognized by their eyes. I, I so I did I did listen to that episode. How, what? So it's whoever called bullshit on that, or whoever was basically like, "I hang on a second, I know those right? eyes." Yeah. Right? That guy's got some explaining to do. Well, he's got some explaining to do. If he has a significant other, that's a huge problem. It's over. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, done. exactly. Well, oh, you current, recognize her eyes. Oh, okay. Wow. You're able to recognize a sex doll by its eyes. I mean, but I don't understand, like, without getting too graphic, when someone was dressing these dolls, they didn't recognize that there were just certain aspects <laughs> that don't make a lot of sense why these parts of the bodies would be specifically detailed or pronounced. <laughs> More pronounced. No one's putting a shirt on this doll going, huh? Well, they probably are. They're probably, detail here. Yeah, they're probably like, well, should we talk to somebody? Nah, just put a shirt on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. That is definitely, that is a nine to five or somebody with a checklist who is unpacking them and they call over Robert, the warehouse manager, and is like, uh, dude take a look at these things and he's like i don't want to hear excuses 
put fucking shirts on them, get them in the stands. <laughs> we promise to have them there by three with. o'clock. Yeah, we've got. I've got other stuff to do. Let's get this over with. <laughs> you know, it's funny that uh, at least the Korean Soccer League found a way to get fans into the stands, unlike Major League Baseball, who Woo! seems to want to go out of their way to not put fans in the stands. I'll say this. I'm not a baseball fan. I think I've made that quite clear on the podcast several times that I, I just, it, it is the one pro sports league that I, I watch probably as little as NASCAR. And it's really like, if there's literally nothing else on, or if it's like the world series, I would tune in, but the ML, MLB has had a chance to come out and basically be the only pro sport on for quite a while could have dominated the airwaves really actually could have brought in a whole new generation of fans and have absolutely completely botched it by trying to move up next year's contract negotiations into this crap. And it's unbelievable. The MLB right before we started recording this, the commissioner is it Rob Manfred. Is that his name? Yeah, came out and said that he's pretty much he's doubtful that that a season is going to happen this year. What a shit show! Do they? I mean, I think attendance dropped something like twenty to twenty five percent in nineteen ninety five after the ninety four strike. What do they think this will do? Uh, it's it's going to be disaster. worse. Yeah, it's this will have a worse effect on them than any other sport not coming back. Because, you know, if the NBA said that, hey, we're not going to be able to come back, you know, and be able to fit enough games and do the playoffs, and if the NHL said the same thing, you know, that'd make a lot of sense. You know, they ha they typically end around this time anyway. They um, And the, um, the MLB still goes to, like, October, right? October and November sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So the MLB has time. It's just that they didn't do it. and. It started started with the first negotiations where they probably lowballed the players on their revenue sharing model. But let me be clear: these MLB players get paid so much more money than every other sports league that is coming back, except for maybe the NBA, and they couldn't take a pay cut at all. I mean, I get that there is a risk of getting COVID, right? But here, here's my view on athletes getting COVID. They are, well, maybe not baseball, but most of them are typically in shape athletes. I mean, baseball is pretty, it's pretty wildly varying degrees of athleticism. But I mean, they're, they're all pretty in shape. And I feel like their recovery from COVID, if they were to start showing signs of, showing signs of actually having it, not being asymptomatic, that they would be able to get over it pretty quick. I don't see, I guess I don't see the health concerns specifically for players. Now, I understand coaches and stuff like that. They're diff way different age group, but you don't see Nick Saban, you know, crying around saying that, oh, I don't make enough money. I'm not going to do my job and come to this college school and blah, blah, blah. Because Nick Saban would just make COVID do up downs yeah. until it puked right. and get out of his body. But I do think the, the MLB really tried to – they really tried to shove it off on the players and it was working for a little bit. But let's, let's be honest. This is a total uh, drop of the ball by the MLB powers that be. Uh, it's, because it's simple. It's, it's so simple that even 
the Canadians that run the NHL understand it. And then the what is that a Canadian drive by? That yeah. was like a, that was a complete <laughs> dive bomb on our lovely friends to the north. And then wow. Yeah. And then you know you got the NBA figuring it out, even though their players are whining about it too. I mean, let me say this: I know it's not technically a sport to some people, but WWE and AEW have been doing this since COVID. They have not stopped. It is possible. Is it weird? Yes, it is weird. Sure. It is weird to watch wrestling without some kind of crowd. Is it, you know... It's weird to watch wrestling with a crowd. No, it's it better not. than nothing. <laughs> yeah, it is better than nothing. And baseball desperately... <laughs> baseball, more than any other sport, desperately needed this injection that they could have got from it. And Lebowski's totally right. There are still fans from the 90s that have never gone back and watched baseball. After watching baseball for 30 to 40 years growing up, those fans that are now 60 or 70 have probably never watched baseball again. So, And they need a younger generation, and they can't get there because their games are boring. It's, they're, it's all cheating. It is running rampant in the MLB. And now you got this. They're, they're losing it. They are they – are, they are one of – they're a bottom-tier sport. It's It's been a terrible offseason for them between the Astros and then this deal. I mean, they, this is <clears throat> this is terrible optics. And I, I know it's been pointed out before, but with so many people being out of work, so many people struggling to pay their bills, I mean, it, you know, there are real problems, you know, within society for multiple reasons at this point. And billionaires arguing with millionaires over – you know, a few thousand bucks either way is, is really tone deaf, um, to put it lightly, uh, for both the players and, and the league for that matter. But I mean, really the league, like you said, they had to take advantage of this window and they've got it. They had to, they needed something like this where they would have center stage because they get overshadowed by everything because the games don't matter during the regular season. I mean, the major league baseball game in the regular season, you know, they win, they lose. It doesn't really matter. They play 162 of those things. Yeah. So they get overshadowed all the way up until the playoffs. The playoffs are really the only time where anyone pays attention to baseball because, you know, they don't have, the draft isn't interesting for baseball. They don't have like stars that come out of the draft or anything. Like, so they don't get any sort of boost from uh, like any off season stuff, you know, free agency, maybe a little bit, but not, not what it used to be even. So they needed something where they had a stage to themselves. They had the golden opportunity to get it. And then they just shot all over themselves. And so it's, I, I will sympathize a little bit at the beginning about the whole, you know, I, I completely agree that from what we understand about the coronavirus right now is that a younger athletic person is, is at minimal risk. And so the, where I will sympathize is that obviously those people have to worry about what they're possibly bringing home off the road or at the facility. Right. I, I will sympathize with that part, but that being said very much to Zach's point about, WWE and uh, is it AEW? Yes. <clears throat> I mean, they're these industries are continuing to put out a product on TV every single week. Granted, it's strange without a crowd, but they're still doing it right. And I'm sorry, look, I'll just say it, and it's a dig, but Major League Baseball, what are they concerned about with not having fans in the stands? 
90% of the product that they televise does not have fans in the stands until the playoffs. I can't, I mean, how many Tampa Bay Ray games get written up about that literally have hundreds of people in the stands and that's it. And the retort, the reported attendance will be 6,000 and there's clearly no more than 600 people in the stands. I I don't want to hear it about fans not showing up to the game. It's obviously not a factor to baseball. They still find ways to negotiate multi-million dollar stadiums, multi-hundred million dollar stadiums being built for a fan base that doesn't show up to the games. But I, I do agree that this would be worse. It will be worse than 94 for the fans because people like me, people like us who are sitting here joking about baseball, about you had my, you had a chance to get my attention when I normally don't give a damn about your sport. Next year, when everything else is available, I'm going to go right back to not watching it, right? But the long-term baseball fan that is already on the brink of having it with the sport, with the Astros and the sign stealing and those, you add this right to the back of it, I really do think there's going to be a large part of the baseball fan base that's just going to say the hell with it and not want to come back and watch it because baseball has become so dysfunctional for so long. And it's, it's when you pile on the other subjects of not only just the sign stealing, but kind of the apathy of what's been happening inside baseball for a while, the game's becoming too long. And then they're bickering about, do we put a, you know, a a pitch or a timer on the pitches to speed the game up? All the little things that are associated with that. I think there is going to be a segment of baseball fans that throw up their hands and say the hell with it. I just can't believe MLB allowed themselves to get to how short sighted can you be? And I got to go back to the attendance. How can you look out the window of your owner's box at these three quarters, empty stadiums of fans not showing up in a normal season and get to this point and think, Oh, we can afford to drag our feet and turn this into a contract negotiation year when the rest of the world is struggling with how to employ people, how to keep people fed. And this is what you're going to bitch about. People are going to walk away from your sport because there's way too much else on TV to compete with. Well, it goes back to the larger point of them being so out of touch. Yes. It's like baseball is so out of touch with everything. And let me say this. Vince McMahon is an old senile man who needs to retire. But he has adapted and AEW has adapted their product to where they are now doing cinematic matches, right? So they are taking matches and they're doing a little bit more cinema style, but they're having fun with it. That gives them the chance to do stuff they normally wouldn't do, right? So they are adapting to the situation and bringing in something that has drawn rave reviews among the wrestling community and even those that casually just tune in that have caught these cinematic matches. But... They're, they're, they're evolving, right? They're adapting. Uh, look at what golf is going to do now because of Corona, where we have Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Brady and Mickelson. Golf is evolving. Golf is like, hey, let's start putting uh, mics on our guys. This worked really well for that, uh, the Peyton Manning duel with Tom Brady and everything. They're evolving. I mean... NBA and the NHL have adapted their schedules and evolved to try to bring entertainment. The NFL, you know, has probably got 15 contingency plans in place. And it's all because they realize that it's time to adapt and evolve and bring something to people that desperately need it. Whereas even take SNL. SNL did their last three or four episodes strictly on Zoom. 
I mean, they did skits on Zoom. It was really <laughs> weird. But, I mean, they did it because they know people need to laugh. It's like baseball just doesn't give a shit. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. No, they they want to be a traditional. They want to be the MLB of the 90s in the 2020s. And that's, I mean, all three of us here on this call are in some form of commercial business outside of the massive amounts of money we make on this podcast. But it mountains <laughs> of money. It mountains of money. I just don't know what to do with it. We're just running out of space in the storage units. But um, in all seriousness, the whole mantra of running a business is adapt or die. And, and if you really can't understand that message, your product's going to get left behind. That's just the point. There comes a time in every business where the product you're offering is not viable to the market anymore and you've got to pivot. And if you don't pivot, your company goes out of business, your product gets left behind. And that is exactly where baseball has been at that point for two or three years now. I'd say almost probably closer to five to seven years. They've been at a, a point time. where their product is just not meeting the same standards that other pro sports are meeting and they're still finding ways to try to bicker like it's 1960 and there's two choices on TV. Every single thing out here is trying to adapt and get with the program. Exactly like you said, Saturday Night Live is still trying to find a way to carry on. It's awkward as shit, but they're still trying to find a way to televise stuff. News psych, I mean, say what you want about the news media. News media has found a way to make this work. I mean, overnight, they figured out a way to record from home and still get the news out, still do their programs. And and the list goes on and on. And baseball is still just counting on that. When we get around to it, people are going to show up your opportunities right now. You had a chance to corner and dominate the market for multiple months and you did nothing. Well, and then don't forget, and you brought it up, but just to reiterate the younger fan base, they could have got that has been desperate for sports, right? The people yes. younger than us yes. or, you know, the seven or eight year olds that now have free time with dad at home and they, the dad and them could build a tradition for the summer to get you through Corona while you're in a lockdown and that's what baseball's always, I think, one of the main tenets of baseball was that father-son relationship, right? And kids, kids take their cues from their parents. I yep. stopped watching baseball in 95, not because I was this well-educated young man, but because my parents stopped watching it. My father stopped watching it. He lost interest. I lost interest. So, yeah, I agree. Just what a absolute bungled message because now these other leagues are getting ready to start playing. I mean, NHL and NBA are a matter of weeks away. And so even if baseball finds a way to get it together here in the next couple of weeks, they'll be they're completely gonna, overshadowed. They're going to be completely overshadowed. And a point that someone made on social media, actually right before we jumped on, I think it was on Twitter was now, now you've got some of these States that baseball would have normally had their quote unquote spring training are starting to have these COVID spikes again, Florida and Arizona and other places where they could have sent players away for a couple of weeks to kind of get back in the, in the motion of things. And they're starting to have these COVID spikes. So for multiple reasons, they just could not have dicked this up anymore. It's a total disaster. It's a total disaster. And they deserve what's going to happen to them because MLS and NHL and NBA, you know, three sports leagues that are traditionally behind MLB uh, as far as like relevance to the, the 
greater you know community or to the greater world as far as like u.s sports leagues go um i think they're gonna start to pass them i i could see in five years mls being a bigger deal than major league baseball well let me I, say I this really if, when the nhl comes back on they'll i think have their highest ratings ever yeah. but i think they'll get a lot of young fans and i think it comes back to that you gotta have people that will carry the torch of your brand for decades and, and I, that's how you grow to me hockey for the longest time one of the reasons that hockey to me was so hard to watch on tv is it was it's very hard to follow the action it's hard to follow the puck with with high definition and things it's gotten a little bit easier it's it's still kind of hard to follow the puck but it's not a sport that is for a lack of action the nhl's problem has basically been a lack of visibility for the last few years now you're suddenly going to have it on in the middle of summer when people don't have a lot else new content especially sporting content to consume baseball what a bunch of dumbasses <laughs> i just can't get over how stupid that is um <clears throat> so i do want to bounce back a little bit to the titans obviously since we've uh recorded the the world has shifted again um for yet another reason uh george floyd minneapolis resident unfortunately you know m- murdered by a police officer kneeling on his neck which rightfully so caused protests against police brutality, police brutality against against blacks and people of color, which has reignited the Black Lives Movement into, a, I got to say, an, an absolutely formidable and impressive show of unity, not only for United States citizens, but across the world. You're seeing Black Lives Matters protests in in small countries and large parts of Europe. It, it's it's really impressive, and rightfully so. Pro teams have been coming out and starting to put down some act, some definitive support behind the fact that Black people for a long time have been mistreated by the police department and mistreated in just in society and. The Titans came out and released a statement through Amy Adams Drunk, definitively putting their, you know, their support behind their athletes, people of color, and Black Lives Matter. And naturally, it, it caused some some controversy. And I don't even want to say controversy because controversy to me leads that there's another part of the message that's, that is controversial as the word says, I don't think it's controversial. I think it's a part of the fan base that just needs to grow up and get with it. But there's definitely a a shift here. This is not gone from, are we going to debate kneeling for the anthem? It's groups and organizations coming out and saying black lives matter. And here are the resources that, that we are putting forth to offer that in the community. I'll sum it up by saying this. The Titans were one of those organizations that people were starting to, to beat up on on social media saying, where is your statement? A lot of other teams have come out and put support behind this. Where is yours? And when Amy Adams came out and gave her statement, it was definitive. It was to the point. And that she, they've even, the Titans have put out kind of a, I forget how they phrased it, but like a resource guide of, Yes, Black Lives Matter, but this is the steps we want to make in the community to back it up. And I got to say, it was pretty definitive. I really actually kind of want to back up what something Paul Kaharski said. I believe it was at the end of last week to where, again, the national media does a terrible job of, of ignoring the Titans. And a couple of national media pundits were saying, well, the majority of the NFL owners have been really silent on this. And, and PK came out and said, well, 
10 NFL owners have now, now come forward and step and offered their plan. And Amy Adams Strunk offered one of the loudest and clearest messages on this. And, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. I, I'll just say it. I was proud of the team coming out and saying what they had to say. We, if you follow F words podcast, if you follow me on Twitter, we have certainly not been quiet about it over the last few weeks since it's come out. And and my plan is not to be quiet because it's an issue with how people of color are treated in this, in, in society and in this country for too long, that's needed to change and from the team standpoint, I was proud to see the Titans come out and make a statement that they made as definitively as they made it. We, yeah, it was we, too. Um, yeah, I, and it's one of those, everyone wants to politicize everything. And, and people will try to turn this into a political deal. It's not to me. This is a human rights deal. Um, and it shouldn't be controversial to come out and say that the Tennessee Titans stand against racism and stand against unequal and poor treatment of, of the black community, uh, you know, over decades, you know, it's, it's the, it's part of the history of America, unfortunately. Um, and that shouldn't be a controversial statement and people that want to turn it into one are completely missing the point. Um, and that, that is an issue with society in general, but I do want to say that I've been encouraged by the fact that, this time versus, you know, obviously this this became big in 2016 when Kaepernick first started taking the knee um, and, and kind of became an – this became an NFL issue. Um, but I feel like this time is different in the fact that, one, the support behind the Black Lives Matter movement is so much stronger, I feel like, and is so much um, more widespread from a standpoint of – big corporations, you know, big personalities, um, white people, black people, you know, uh, people of all races coming behind this cause now. Um, and people are starting to talk about specific changes too, like to, to reforming police. And, and I yes, do hate yes. the defund police phrase that people are using because it makes it sound like you're just going to take all the money out of police departments and, it allows the other, the the people who want to politicize this thing to turn it into, they're trying to get rid of all the cops, Certainly, um, yeah. which is not really what that phrase necessarily means. Um, it's about using the money for purposes that actually contribute to a societal good, not yeah, providing let's, tanks let's, for police. Let's just say it. It's To me, it's about moving the money to educating police to being the people who protect and serve and not dressing them up like Power Rangers and putting them in Bradley yes. fighting vehicles. Yes, exactly. There's no reason that the city of Nashville needs a tank to control to, no. to police the city. I mean, that, no. that's not necessary. And I, you know, I've heard other good points. Um, I forget the guy's name. He worked, he writes for the Washington post. He's here. He's actually located here in Nashville, but he was on uh, Bill Maher's show. Um, and he was talking about, um, he brought up the point of why do, uh, why do police have to be the ones that write tickets and, and, and monitor traffic? Um, Cause really at the end of the day, speeding and traffic is, is relatively, mundane offense right you pay your ticket uh and then you go on about your business most of the time you don't even have to make a court appearance like why do we have to have guys with guns 
making those stops. You know, yeah. the, why couldn't that be a, a separate part of, uh, of the police, either a separate branch within the police or a separate group altogether that handles right traffic control. Um, so, you know, it's limiting the interactions between the police and citizens that aren't really doing anything wrong. Um, because everyone gets nervous around the police, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it is. And that's the way I think most people see a police officer when they see him is, Oh, you know, I gotta, gotta be careful around this guy because their reputation has become, you know, that they are not going to, that they're in control. And, and you saw the video, what disturbed me most about the video with the George Floyd thing was the officer that was kneeling on his neck and there's people telling him, get off his neck. He's saying he can't breathe And the, it was almost just the fact, the fact that people were telling him to stop doing it was why he kept doing it. And it was just such a power play and just like, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to listen to you because then that's showing weakness And that mentality has got to get out of the police force. Uh, the, the, I'm going to protect other cops, no matter what they do mentality has got to get out of the police force. Those, all th those things all need to be reformed out. Um, and I'm encouraged that we're actually getting some meaningful conversation about what that looks like versus just this sucks, you know, because complaining about it is, is certainly brought awareness to it, but just complaining about it is never going to get us anywhere um, as far as actual meaningful change. And, and I'm hoping that we're actually seeing some meaningful change begin. I go ahead, Zach. Um, I agree with everything you've both have said 100%. I just want to add on to it is I, you talk about the defund the police. I, I feel like the defund the police message gets lost because people don't aren't educated. They don't educate themselves. The same with the, the protest against the flag. Well, it's not about the flag. It's about systemic racism. It's not about defunding the police. It's about reallocating resources Because you really can't say, let's defund the police sounds a little bit better than reallocating resources for the police. You can't, you can chant one, you can't chant the other. <laughs> no, certainly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so it's a little bit of a, I guess from a marketing standpoint, I don't think defund the police is the best term because it does create confusion. And then it, I think PK shared what defund the police really means. And it was like a, you know, a really long picture of what everybody's trying to say, which I get, there's really no better word, right? So defund the police. Okay. Just educate yourself. When people yeah. tell you, well, it's not about defunding the police and taking money away. It's about this. Don't be that guy that goes back to it. So I feel like there's a lot of mis misinformation out there, of course, because of social media and stuff like that. It's just the world we live in now that Everybody thinks they're an expert on everything and it gives voice to people who normally just screamed at their TV while their 70-year-old wife was making a sandwich in the kitchen. You know, it's just, you know, just the world we live in now and it sucks. I hate it. I hate where we're at as a society, but I do for once see that there is hope for change and I think that that's a really great thing to see. Um, you know, talking about the police, one of the most powerful tweets I saw at the beginning of this, I think day one, when George Floyd was, was murdered and this sparked everything, um, was 
everybody wants to say that there's only a few bad apples ruin it for cops. But if you have 10 bad cops in your police force and a thousand good cops, but those thousand good cops aren't arresting those 10 bad cops, then you really have a thousand and ten bad cops. And, you know, I thought that was a really powerful tweet that stuck with me throughout this whole thing and made me kind of look at things in a different light because I did think that I was, I'll admit, I was one of those people that thought, well, it is just a few bad cops, but really, if you're not holding each other accountable, then it's it's a larger systemic problem with the police force as a whole. And, you know, I get that, you know, there's a sense of brotherhood among or family among police forces, right? I mean, we, we know that's how it is. We've seen it portrayed in various ways and talked about forever. But at some point, your family has to change and your family has to grow and get with the times. And I, and I hope that the black lives matter movement has really started affecting that change it set out to do four years ago. And I, I really do think it is. And it goes, and I, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit to Amy Adams Trump, just real quick. The people who were so quick to demand a statement from the sports entities across the whole, specifically about the Titans, but sports, you know, it takes time. It's, I know people don't want to hear it and don't want to understand it, but there are PR departments and we are in a crisis of people being spread out all across the country and stuff like that. So stuff does take time, but I think in today's world, also correcting, carefully crafting your words is a, is is smart because you want to make sure that you don't just put out a generic hey you know we're against racism with nothing no oomph behind it because i feel like that's just shoving it if you want real change real change takes times and i feel like just saying oh you know uh we here at uh the san antonio spurs and they did not say this by the way <laughs> we we here at the san antonio uh uh smelt rose i don't want to use spurs but the san antonio <laughs> smelt rose um you know where we're sitting here about george floyd uh we we stand you know against racism and and we want all people i mean like that's just a generic thing and i think v love's last account before this one he said it best was that if you really don't think that Amy Adams drunk isn't doing something in this community and doesn't stand for everyone, especially for the black community, then you're not paying attention. I'm paraphrasing of course. Uh, but I mean, we saw in her statement, she even told what they have been doing and what they will do or what they have been, what they are and what they will do. And I think that is a plan of action that we should all get behind is not only talking about what we're doing today, but what we're going to do tomorrow to fix this issue. And it's all about educate. I think it's all about bringing proper education and bringing the right topics to the forefront for the right discussion, bringing up the flag as disrespectful or disrespecting the flag. These protests is, is the wrong topic. We'll, we let, got it. Let's say that, nobody's knelt for the flag yet. I mean, yeah. they, we're, we're, we're already seeing people complain about something that hasn't even happened and won't happen for months. And, and that is just away distracting. From what's going on right now. Yes. Of course, it's, it's and a it's, distraction. And I think that 
and it goes leads into and if I'm stealing your thunder, Lebowski, I'm sorry. No, 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 not at all. Please keep it going. It leads into Tannehill's discussion and his particular Instagram post, and it really, man, if man, I really hope he doesn't suck this year because I mean, it, it was something that was like I'm all in on Tannehill. Like I wanted to go out and buy a Tannehill jersey, and I wanted to go become I'm. I did. I went and bought the books that he's talking about in there so I can read them and stuff and educate myself on what is going on that maybe I am not privy to. Um, and it's, I mean, just thinking about what Amy Adams Strunk and Ryan Tannehill has done gets me a little emotional to begin with. And I just, I am so proud that it, it was the, we have the two right people, I feel like, at the forefront of something really special that can change here because we know that Amy Adams can can promote change, right? We we got the NFL draft and it was perfect. I know equating the NFL draft to systemic racism and changing that is a little far-fetched, but we know that she's a woman of action and she's not just a figurehead presenting or presenting a statement just to present a statement there there's words behind there and act, calls to action in her statement and then you got Tannehill who's the other side I didn't he his he's basically like I didn't know this existed until I listened to Kenny Stills who we know Kenny Stills basically you know is in Houston because of what it, possibly because of some disagreements with Brian Flores, not over this, but over other stuff. But we know that Kenny Stills is one of the figureheads with Kaepernick since this whole thing started. And I mean, he, I think if we all set to look at it from the other side of the street with these, with people of color that like Ryan Tannehill did, we would learn a lot more than what you know society wants us to learn and i i think it's i think it's a sad state of affairs for the majority of the people in this world who still don't get it but i do feel like this younger generation is getting it it all goes back to you know the younger generation is going to be here for decades we hope until you know murder hornets mate with murder bear white grizzly canadian bears and we have bear bees or something like that <laughs> you know like until that happens <laughs> you know we're gonna be around for a few decades and i think that once people of a certain ilk start dying off and and we have the newer generation come through and promote these things that it seems like everybody for the most part i mean the protests and in Nashville, or I, I didn't go. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I was a little of a, a puss. I mean, I'm not, not really feeling going down there in a crowd and you know, Corona and all this stuff. And except for me, but I'm glad I, I got to see it. I'm glad I got to follow it and got to see the, for the most part, the peaceful protests and what was going on and people coming together and and getting behind this and seeing. I feel like you could. You, it's a lot. What you're seeing right now, like y'all said, is a lot different than what we've seen in the past. And I think that's a good thing. And I think I think people being able to recognize that it's different is also a good thing. And then you have the same people throwing the same arguments while everybody else is evolving. 
Yes. Basically kind of like MLB. And uh, that's the, the, the old, the people MLB are the people who still aren't getting it and aren't evolving. And then everybody's just going to leave them behind. And that's kind of what I, uh, I foresee is that they're going to get left behind and they're going to become the minority. And you know, it's the majority is going to be us, the peaceful people that want to promote change and equality. Well, and, and so that's well said. And, and I want to start kind of there. Something you just said is really what I've been kind of jumbling around in my head for the last several days is the outward pouring of support from athletes that I'm seeing inside the NFL of openly talking about kneeling for the flag, Black Lives Matter. Just I'll I'll stick specifically with the NFL. I think the reason why athletes feel more empowered to speak about it right now in 2020 is because you have teams coming right out and saying that, you know, Hey, we fully support you. And you didn't get that four years ago. You didn't get that with, with the beginning of the Kaepernick protest was teams coming out and supporting it. Most teams, most coaches, most owners were silent about it. And so now that you see that ownership, now that you see that teams are coming out and openly saying that they support it and they support the Black Lives Matter, athletes are jumping up and saying yes, you know, and they feel empowered to speak because let's face it, their employer, their boss is saying it's okay to openly talk about this because what's been happening for the last several years in the NFL, specifically the NFL, when athletes come out and speak about it or they then show you know, their disgust and their disagreement with what's happening in the country by kneeling, the response, even all the way up to the White House, has been one of of disgust and not definitely not supportive. So I think a lot of athletes, a lot of black athletes, a lot of athletes of color have stayed silent because they don't want to get the wrath and response that they're seeing, not only on social media, but on on the news and from our politicians turning something that really, like Mike was saying, shouldn't even be that political into something that is political. And, and to kind of build on that, it's to me, and I'm just going to say it as a, as a white, just Southern American, it really eats me up to see people that will want to make comments to athletes that basically amounts to just shut up and play football. You have no problem consuming a product that is, is dominated by people of color, but you just want them to shut up and play. That's not okay. I mean, that, that, that's still a person that, that person can still, it, it should be able to express their opinion. You feel the right to express your opinion. So people of color should, I, I kind of want to pivot to this as something, uh, something that Derek Mason, the head coach of um, the Vanderbilt Commodores football team said on midday 180, a couple of weeks ago, really, the way he said it just kind of it's it's dug itself into my brain to where his wife tells a story and this is him recanting you know or recounting the story that it, the, the first time his wife met his parents and some of this I'll paraphrase a little bit um Derek Mason's father was giving Derek a hard time for not wearing this lanyard that had his driver's license and his school ID on it 
and why he was giving Derek such a hard time about it is that if he's like, you know, son, I mean, if you get pulled over, you need to be able to show your identification. You need to be able to, to have that stuff available for you right there to be able to, to, to show to the police. In other words, like, so that you're not a person of color digging around in your pockets if the police pull you over. Now, to, to kind of go back to what Mike was saying about everyone gets nervous around cops. As a white man, I get nervous around cops because I don't want to say something stupid and get something else added to my driver's, uh, to, to my driving offense, right? I don't want to turn my speeding charge now into reckless driving. Like, that's the primary fear I've got, right? Or, God forbid, be put into handcuffs and then you, you have to get bailed out and have to explain that situation, right? In other words, what I'm going at is that I'm talking about an inconvenience or an embarrassment that I might possibly be getting added to, you know, to my life or Derek Mason and many black people are trying to draw attention to the fact that making the wrong move, saying the wrong thing, acting even quirky in a moment as a black person in interaction with a cop can get you killed. And, and that's, that's what the George Floyd video, I think, finally snapped a fuse for so many Americans to where you're just, you're watching one American murder another American with complete indifference with his hands in his pockets. And black people are stepping up and saying, this has been happening to us for quite a long time. And the rest of you all have been ignoring it. And, and so where I want to tie this all together is that I think there's been such a change because like you said, it's just the majority of Americans, normal, red-blooded, normal-thinking Americans are seeing this and thinking, this is bullshit. I mean, we can't just sit around and watch part of our society just get beat up and mistreated because they're black. And that's, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm happy to see the Titans step up and say something. I'm happy to see the individual athletes, specifically the white athletes, step up and say things like, I've misunderstood the situation and I'm, I'm happy to sit back and shut up and listen and learn. And that last part I want to say is kind of the most important part. You may be listening to this podcast right now and you're about to turn it off because you're thinking I've had enough. You're politicizing this. You're talking about something I don't want to listen to. I want you to stick to sports. I, I just want you to hear this. The biggest problem we have in this society is we don't shut up and listen to each other. So I'm not saying you can't be offended that someone is going to kneel during the national anthem. I'm not saying you are wrong to feel bad about that, but you need to learn to ask the question of why is that person kneeling and then shut up and listen to the response. And the response you might get might actually open your eyes and, and give you a perspective you haven't had. So I, I'm going to step off my soapbox a little bit, but I just, I really wanted to say that because that's, that's something that it eats me up as, not a white person, not someone whose politics may not align with you, but just as a human being, sit back and listen to someone else's problems because I promise you they're, they're carrying around some baggage, some societal baggage that you probably have misunderstood for quite a while. Yeah, I, I want to be able to look back. I want the future generations to be able to look back like I looked back at uh, these moments where I looked back at what was going on at World War II as a kid, thinking, oh, my God, what the fuck is wrong with Hitler? And what the hell were these people thinking? And I want people of future generations to be like, what the hell were these people thinking back, yeah. then, you know, back then? And yeah. Because it's different now or different in the future. 
that they couldn't even imagine that there was this much hate in the world and it's still in the 2020s when we're in 2040 or 2050 and people and kids don't even have to worry about this they're worried about you know something else mike are you back i saw that mike mike dropped off for a minute but it looks like we might have him back on i am back i am back yeah i uh uh, I completely agree, and I think your point was a good one, uh, Lebowski, that people just need to listen more. And and we don't have to agree on everything, but we have to be respectful to each other and respect each other's experiences. Uh, you know, my life experience isn't the same as your life experience, and, and it isn't the same as anyone else's. You know, nobody's uh, nobody's lived your exact life and had your exact experiences. And so seeking to understand where someone else is coming from is uh, – so much better and you'll find you know people aren't evil like you're in for the most part and there's exceptions to every rule but for the most part just because someone disagrees with you doesn't make them a dumbass doesn't make them uh you know some evil person that is you know the worst thing in the entire world because that's what everyone wants to make you out to be as soon as you disagree like right you know oh i think ryan Tannehill is good oh i think he's bad and i think everything you say sucks and is dumb you know, like we divide and we pick people apart and we pick each other apart. And, you know, it, it's, it's not about that. It's about, and, and like, I'm guilty of it too at times, you know, and, and it's a natural reaction when you just defensive and go after them. Um, but just listen more, I guess, is, is kind of the take, take away. And I think, you know, the stuff that Emmanuel Acho has been doing with, uh, you know, uncomfortable conversations with a black man have been great. Um, you know, I learn stuff from them and you just l- sit there and listen. And even if you don't agree with the Black Lives Matter movement or, or if you don't agree with kneeling for the anthem or anything like that, just listen to where they're coming from and seek to understand a little bit better. And I think that that would make the world a better place. You know, as Pollyanna-ish as that sounds, um, I, I think just listening to each other and having respect for each other's life experiences and, and things like that would just i don't know that's that's just what i would like to see come out of all this is that people start to listen more because we should have been listening all along and and the fact that i had to get to this point in 2020 uh for you know a bigger section of the population to wake up is is disappointing but we also can't judge society for not being there in 2016 you know we're here now um and and we need to just move forward together Exactly. And that's kind of, you know, to, 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 to drive home what the last part you were saying and what I was saying earlier about just listening is that it, it kind of goes back to what Zach had mentioned earlier about, you know, some companies, some groups, some, you know, teams definitely just saw other companies and teams and groups jumping in to offer support for Black Lives Matter. but it probably comes across as a little hollow. I'm sure there are quite a few black people out there that would say that it sounds really hollow because they've been asking this for quite a while. So to wait and give a measured response after you've listened to several days of it, I think is an okay thing to do. I actually was quiet on Twitter for quite a while, mainly because most of the stuff I, I post is just me trying to be humorous. And, you know, sometimes it, a lot of that just needs to take a back seat. You just need to shut up and listen. And, and that's, 
that's kind of my takeaway from how the Titans and how Amy Adams Shrunk decided to handle it was just to take a step back for a few days and give a response that was actually meaningful instead of just putting out a statement that said, we support Black Lives Matter and kind of leaving it at that. And so I was, I was happy to see the team step up and say something. I certainly hope, obviously, that, that all of these companies with the NFL, specifically NASCAR, I really do hope that they stick to this messaging for the long term and that this is the way forward, that there's no, there's not going to be any backtracking because let's face it. I think anyone listening to this and the three of us on here now know that you're going to see a pretty profound and definitive statement that happens at the beginning of one of these NFL games, multiple teams of entire teams kneeling and all that. So that's coming just please listen to each other when that stuff starts to happen. And ultimately that's how we're going to become not only better Americans, but better humans by just shutting the hell up and listening to each other. Cause social media, specifically Twitter, Twitter's limited to 280 characters that right there speaks to itself that Twitter is meant to be quick interactions with each other. And that, that can, it, it can go against, what we're trying to do here, which is to shut up and listen. Not everything has to be a quick response to shut up and listen to each other. So I will, and we're going to pivot off that a little bit. I think the three of us really, we, I'm sorry, say that. Oh, we got to wrap it up. We got to wrap it up. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm sorry. We were having some, we're having some kind of some technical difficulties there at the end, but you know, us as a podcast, we really kind of wanted to get that out there and, and, and made sure that you all heard our opinion on that and, and kind of where we're at. Um, you know, as always, we, we appreciate you all tuning in. We really do appreciate you all listening. We know that we've kind of had a, a wild and messed up recording schedule for a while. The coronavirus and being limited to our houses and, and, and specifically with work, my job has been really, really busy. So we've been just our recordings kind of been all over the place, but we're trying to get you more episodes as, as quick as possible. Um, appreciate Mike joining. Baby smuggler is really joining. Been, uh, been a lot, taking up a lot of my time too. It's amazing how hard it is to get those things across state lines. <laughs> With your child acquiring. <laughs> yes, but I am in possession now. <laughs> well, listen, for, uh, for, for Zach and Mike Miracles, I am Mr. Lebowski. Really appreciate you all tuning in to uh, – the uh, podcast and uh, you have been F. Mm-hmm.